This is Mission.org. Live from New York, it's Marketing Trends. In this episode, Chad sits down at the Salesforce World Tour with Meredith Ian. Meredith Ian is the Executive Director of the SPCA International. In this episode, they discuss how to tell stories that will knock the wind out of you, like the snaggletooth boxer or the lonely donkey. If you like dogs, cats, puppies, kittens, and donkeys, this is the episode for you. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Let me tell you a little bit about us, uh, myself, and the mission. So the mission, we're a media company. We're a veteran-owned and led company, and we are a media company. That's uh, not that easy to do in today's uh, world, but we kicked off things in March of this year with our first podcast, podcast and newsletter. It's grown into six podcasts now, and we're tracking to have about 12 by quarter one of next year. And we couldn't do it without amazing partners like Salesforce and Salesforce Pardot that sponsor you know, independent media from our company. So that's really awesome. And uh, thanks so much, guys, for sponsoring. Tonight, we're interviewing Meredith from SPCA, International, which is a really cool organization. I'm excited about it. They work with veterans. They do really cool things in marketing. You might want to consider this like marketing for experiences or experiential marketing. I think they're pioneering in that space. Uh, So this is something that is really exciting and we want to dive deep into. So Meredith, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. How did you get started at SPCA and what was the journey there like for you? Sure. So I've been with SPCA International for eight years. We've been in existence for 12, so it's a good good chunk of time. My personal journey to the organization started in college. I did an internship at a nonprofit here in the city, and I found it was very rewarding, and I always kind of kept it in the back of my mind, like the nonprofit world was something that kind of was calling to me. And after that, I went to on to become an events coordinator and, again, started coordinating events for Leukemia Lymphoma Society, a lot of fundraisers, and just felt that pull back to the nonprofit world. And then I adopted my first dog, and <laughs> all of my worlds came together. And that's when I joined SPCA International because... We, as we say in the animal welfare world, once you know, you can never not know. Once your eyes are open to the issues, that's it. You're an animal person for life. So that was kind of my personal journey to SPCA International, and it's been incredibly rewarding to be part of part of the team. What kind of uh, dog? So I have to ask. Dog lover. <laughs> she, she's a boxer. Okay. And she awesome. just turned 11. So. Yeah, we adopted a golden doodle, and I feel like the um, experience to finding the right pet and uh, or saving the right pet is um, a really special time. Like that's a moment that you're going to remember oftentimes for your whole life. And I think like the holy grail of marketing is creating those moments that people genuinely love. So what was that experience like for you? And what do you always remember about, you know, your pup? Yeah. Well, so she has a snaggle tooth, which is really just (laughs) cute and endearing trait. And she had been found as a stray in New York, which is, I always say, like, I couldn't lose this dog if I ever tried to. She's my Velcro dog. So she, I will 
die tripping over this dog. I know that's <laughs> that's going to be what it reads on my headstone. So um, the fact that she was stray was like, okay, somebody didn't want her. She had she was pregnant with puppies, and she was brought to a shelter, and the, she had just been weaned. Uh, the, her puppies had just been weaned, and people didn't want her because she didn't have her feminine figure back yet from uh. having her puppies, which I just thought was the most ridiculous thing but she came up to the moment that I knew she was going to be mine she came up to the little uh, hole where you give them a treat you know they have a glass door where you're just seeing them for the first time and she stuck her snaggle tooth through the hole and I was like that's it you're coming home for me it was also Valentine's Day so she's my my little Valentine that's adorable so uh, at SPCA a lot of people you know think cats and dogs which are wonderful we love those animals but there are also a lot of other animals that need love and when we first talked on the phone, you mentioned that you saved a lot of cats and dogs and a donkey. So <laughs> what's going on with the other animals and uh, what are you all doing sure. to help them? You can, you know, find companionship through what we think of as companion animals being cats and dogs, but through Operation Baghdad Pups Worldwide, which is our one of our flagship programs, um, we rescue animals for servicemen and women who are serving overseas on active duty. There are a lot of stray animals generally in the areas that uh, we have military bases. And so, you know, when they come on to the base, often they're, they're not supposed to be there. You know that as, yes. a, as a veteran. And they, you have to get rid of them somehow. So we were contacted in 2008 um, by somebody who had a dog and he said, I can't leave this dog behind. He's been with me through my whole deployment. He's not owned by the military. He's a stray dog. There's no way for me to get him back on military transport. Can you help me? And we didn't know how to do it, but we said, we'll try. And now 10 years later, we are just about a thousand animals uh, mm. that we've saved, cats and dogs. And the donkey is an interesting story. So you think of a cat or a dog wandering onto base while well, this donkey wandered onto a marine base in Afghanistan. And uh, they named him Smoke the Donkey. And they called him their chief health officer, I think, because he used to eat the cigarettes out of the Marines' hands. That sounds like a very Marine thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he was looking out for their health and earned him the name Smoke. And um, the great thing about Smoke is he, the colonel of the unit, brought him back to Nebraska to be a therapy donkey for kids whose parents were on deployment. So he ran a therapy farm. And so Smoke came back after, I think it was like 40 days. It was like biblical how long it took us to get this sure. donkey. He had to go through Iraq, through Turkey, to New York, and then to Nebraska. But he provided comfort to the Marines that were on duty. And then he provided comfort to the families when he came back. And so, you know, we think of dogs and cats, but it really, it can, love can come in any, any form. Sure. So there are a lot of people listening in the room and I know nobody here is lazy, but there might be some listeners out there that are marketers who maybe sometimes, you know, we all get a little bit lazy and they hear that story and they think, wow, that's so cool. That's a way to connect. That's a way to drive customer obsession and create really unique experiences. But it sounds like a lot of work. And yeah. so I'm from Silicon Valley and we have a, like a mantra there which is do things that don't scale. It's by Paul Graham. And it sounds like your team does a lot of things that don't scale. You can't pick everything to do that doesn't scale, but how do you go about picking those you know, initiatives and investing in that? 
Yeah, sure. So yeah, for every story that we tell, there are 10 that we don't get to tell. Sure. And while they share a lot of similarities, you know, it's a soldier befriending an animal and, you know, that animal's life being in certain danger because they're not supposed to be where they are. And so often their time is very limited. Um, So there's a lot of work that happens behind the scenes. So kind of choosing what stories we're going to tell our supporters because they they want to hear it. If you're donating to an organization, you want to know everything that they're doing. So we, we do our best to tell as much of uh, as many of the stories as we can, but it's tough. So we usually, we choose the ones that kind of, after so many years, you get a, a gut reaction sure. to some things and we might be a little bit desensitized my team to you know what we see every day we're kind of hearing these horror stories all the time and then you know and then there's just one that you know knocks the wind out of you I guess a little bit and so we try to take those and tell them because it's really choosing a story that's representative of the bigger struggle and you know being able to tell it in a way that is represented to people because this is kind of a a different thing that we're doing. So you don't come to the table with all of the facts right away. You don't, okay, well, why, you know, why did you find the dog? Why can't you bring it back on military transport? So we're constantly telling that story over and over. So we're trying to, you know, do that and tell the individual soldier and animal story. So it's a heavy lift just for, you know, one story. No, it sounds like it. But it also sounds like something too, that over time, the team gets really good at identifying the story. And then, you know, is there a a format that you put the story in to begin to write the narrative? How do you think about the actual storytelling and um, getting past the resistance of putting words onto paper or, you know, putting it in the email newsletter? How do you get through that? Yeah. So I think we also live in an age of instant gratification where we want to be able to skim something and get the facts from it. I know I'm guilty of that. We're all pressed for time. You're reading it on your phone. So we are up against two things. We want to tell the story quickly. We want to paint the picture very quickly. But if you want more details, we want you to be able to find them. So we try to summarize. If we're sending you an email telling you about a particular story, we try to summarize before the page break. So you're going to get all of the quick facts about what's happening, and then you're going to see, you know, a donate button. And if you've been moved, you just you're like, okay, I got it. I'm going to give you, you know, $25. Rescue the dog. Check back in with me when it's done. But if you want to go on and read more, you know, we'll we'll generally leave the details, you know, to the second part of the of the story. I love that. And when we talked earlier, too, you mentioned that your primary marketing tool is uh, an email newsletter powered by Pardot. And what do you think about when you're using Pardot, when you're using your email software, any type of strategies that you can share for everybody? Yes. So Pardot has been wonderful. Using Engagement Studio is fantastic for us because it is allowing the donor to go through the process at their own pace. So we use a lot of drip campaigns that we are, you know, you're getting your first email and then you're making a donation. We're not going to we're not going to send you three more emails about the same subject once you've made your donation. We, you you got it. You you made the donation, right. you got the point. You don't need, you know, reminders about it. Each donor goes on their own path. And then in the nonprofit world, thanking people for their donation is so important to us to people for people to know that we're thankful that they you know took time out of their day to donate took money out of their wallet so what's been really nice is that they can just automatically get that thank you email and then they automatically get a campaign update as well because we want to close the loop with you we wanted to show you how your donation is making a difference so um, that's been really easy for us to automate through Pardot. I love it and with everything that you're doing what campaign or initiative are you working on for 2019 that you're most excited about right now? 
We're, uh, it's, it's hard to choose. We are excited about being able to segment our list even more. We have, uh, so when you first hear about SPCA International, you kind of get warmed up to what, who we are, what we do, what our programs are. So you're getting more information in the beginning when you're joining our email list. And then what we're excited to really hopefully fine tune is we want it to feel like you're having a conversation with us because that's what we would love to do with every single one of our 400,000 people on our email list. I would love to talk to every single person. Time's not going to allow me to do that. So we want to personalize your communication. So you can choose, you know, sometimes people don't want to hear the horror stories. They want to get the happy emails. So you can opt into, you know, I only want to get the happy stories from you. I know you're working behind the scenes. I don't need to know about it. And we are, we're trying to see when you want to go from being a reader to being a donor to being a recurring donor. What can, what part of our organization do you want to hear about? And what can we tell you that's going to motivate you and inspire you to become a, a full-time supporter? That's really cool. I think personalization is on everyone's agenda for 2019 and, I mean, probably right now, too. When you think about personalization and you think about copy and writing and the stories and everything, how do you go about at SBCA International getting a similar brand voice? How do you go about getting everybody on the same page? Are you passing out copies of like on writing well or what are you, yeah, what are you doing there? Well, we're actually a team of only six full-time people. So <laughs> our brand voice is, you know, I, and we've all been there for so long. That's one of the sure. great things about the organization is we have all been with the organization for three plus years. And so we have all kind of, a, we know what our voice is. We know what people want to hear. So we, having a small team, we're able to all be on the same page about things and kind of communicate in the way that's consistent and that our donors are used to and that really tells our story the best way. So having a small, nimble team is definitely easier, easier in some ways, but you know, there's more workload for everyone to share. So as you're, you're moving on with these campaigns and you're starting to ramp up your efforts in 2019, and you have a small team, what's the best planning strategies that you've found? How are you, how does your team work basically? Um, when you get out of campaign from maybe start to completion, what does that look like? Any tools, any um, yeah, standing meetings? What's, are you in Slack? What are you doing? So lots of phone calls and emails. Yeah. Um, we are, so I wish I could show you the, what our campaigns look like for the month of December. It looks like a... DNA helix chart. I'm not a <laughs> science person, whatever that is. Um, I'm recalling all the seventh grade science but I can, crazy. but crazy. So it um, it's 36 different possible, we call it choose your own adventure. So it's oh, 36 right ways that yeah. you could, you so you drip into a campaign. Now, did you make a donation or not? And then did you make a donation through PayPal or did you do it through our website? And so there are all these different ways that are going to get you to the same end result. You're going to get a thank you. You're going to get a campaign update, but you're kind of choosing your own journey through our programs and, and through what you want to learn. So that's kind of... What, we've, what we like about Pardot is you can front load all of that work and then let it run. And so we're keeping an eye on it where, you know, we set up all the times, the emails, the templates, everything. Um, if we need to go in and make a change, we can do that. We can be really nimble with it. But it's having, we have one and a half people that work on this. So um, it's not a whole department that's working the whole year on our D- December campaigns. It's, you know, two people splitting their time in the month of November for all of December. So it's a lot of work. Cool. 
So, okay, I want to get into some uh, maybe a little bit challenging uh, questions here. So don't want to directly throw anybody under the bus, but I think it's so important. So many marketers that we talk to and CMOs, uh, if you look at the average tenure of CMOs, it's actually falling. So it's getting shorter and shorter. It's harder for CMOs to not get fired. And so for a lot of people that are marketing execs that are listening to this podcast, that is a real question for them. How do I not get fired this year? And, you know, in that spirit, what are some of the worst campaigns that you've seen from other nonprofits that have kind of maybe taught you or informed your marketing efforts at SBCA uh, International? You don't have to yeah. you know, cite them directly. We're, yeah, we're not we're going to do a burn book. We're not yeah. going to name names. Um, no, we're, we're always staying plugged into what are other organizations that are working on maybe some of the same issues that we are. What are they doing? What do we, you know, we don't, we don't know if their campaigns are working. We don't have any insight into, you know, what was successful for them or not, but we can tell what was, what resonated with us or not. So, right. you know, we're, we're constantly looking and then, you know, my communications director and I will send emails back and forth like, oh, hey, did you see what this, this company did? You know, let's put it, we kind of keep a reference file and we right. think, okay, like thumbs maybe up, that's thumbs something. Down, yeah, exactly. Like, kind of like a swipe file, like in the old days of yeah. cop- copywriting. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so, you know, we definitely use that. We don't like to copy anything that anybody else sure. is doing, but, you know, you use it for inspiration and definitely. like, oh, this could apply to our programs. My communications director is always looking for, like, we look back at what we did, you know, on our on our previous product and, and the challenges that we faced with that. And now we're still facing challenges with part up, but it's because we have so much more that we can do. So it's the challenge is now, like, how do we leverage every single tool to improve what we're doing? And so our communications director is always on top of that. And we're always looking for like the new fresh thing without getting outside of what your brand voice is. And, you know, you want to think outside the box, but not to a point where you're just, you're diluting your message. You know, you want to, you want to be thorough and consistent. So I think that would be good advice is know, know who you are and then figure out the best way to leverage new tools to, to do that. So when it comes, you mentioned you're kind of like inspiration, thumbs up, thumbs down file. Who is an effective, like, who's the most effective marketer in your book? Who's one of your, your favorite companies in terms of uh, marketing or, yeah, any favorites? Can I say my own? Yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. You know, I think a lot of the animal welfare organizations are um, really effective at telling stories in general. And I think I think we do a good job not to totally toot our own horns no, you here. Can't, but <laughs> yeah, you have to cheer for yourself. You do. You can. do, right? Yeah, you got but I think that, no, I, I think a lot of our peers in the industry are doing a really good job of, you know, when you open that email and you see one effective uh, tool is when you open an email and an animal is looking back at you, you're like, okay, now I'm hooked now. Right. So, you know, storytelling through images is important as well. And so I think there are a lot of organizations that use really great imagery and that would be a really successful thing in my mind because we want to also see the journey, you know, if it's an animal that was rescued from terrible conditions and then, you know, we can show you a couple months later how they've recovered, you know, we mm-hmm. want to see that journey through photos as well. So I think that would be something I would say is is very successful people who can use those photos, but they're sure. hard to capture. Sure. So one of the, um, we published a report, or actually I think it's not live yet, but we're getting ready to publish it about some of the biggest marketing trends that we're looking at where we kind of like break them down. And one of them is visual search. So there's a huge opportunity right now to just go the extra mile and get really high quality images, obviously, but then add GIFs and add video 
can do really interesting things like getting gifts to rank higher in Google search on platforms like Giphy. There's major opportunities right there. So what do you think about in terms of adding like multimedia? Are you all doing that? How are you thinking about visual search and media like that? Yeah, well, we, we are. We're starting to use GIFs. And that is helpful when you have a, a situation that maybe would require a video to understand. For example, we had a dog that was found with her paw cut off. And uh, it was really difficult to kind of describe the conditions that we were found in. And, and we were sent all these terrible videos, but we don't necessarily, you don't want to see that, that right. video. Um, so we kind of boil it down to something that you're going to see when you open the email or, you know, it's, it's a gift that you're going to be able to get the, the message of, of what has happened. So we are, we're starting to do things like that because it's an abbreviated video, right? You're getting a, you're getting the good message across with, with a short amount of time. So we are, we're just, just dipping a toe with all of that. Cool. So let's jump into some lightning round questions here. No curveballs, promise. So uh, what's the best book you've read this last year? The best book that I've read? Yeah. Oh, geez. I am, well, I'm currently reading it right now. So there's a book called Rescuing Ladybugs that was written by an author named Jennifer Skiff. And it Are you is, expanding into insects? Or what's, the, <laughs> like, what's next for her? It's a, um, she's a wonderful writer. And it's all about um, the stories of people in animal welfare who, and it was the moment that inspired them to continue on their path. So kind of what I was talking about very earlier, cool. unrelated. Um, but that's a book that I'm reading right now that is, yeah. It's very inspiring. Do you read for work or how do you go about curating the information? Like how do you go about curating the books, the newsletters, the content that you read? Yeah, like I said, once once you know, you you can never unknow. So there are, yeah, so as far as our information and, you know, what we're, because we don't just talk about issues that we're working on. We talk about, you know, the broader issues. So it's funny what will, and after this, I swear you will go, you'll read a news story and you'll go, oh, that has an animal welfare <laughs> slant to it. I didn't know there was a story about, uh, did anyone see the, the finches that were brought through JFK the other day in of, hair rollers? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. And so um, I was watching that on the news and just thinking like, oh, how terrible for these birds. But that's, you know, something that as an animal welfare nonprofit, you know, we want to bring attention to that as well. So just kind of it trickles in through general news stories and, you know, you, you can't avoid it. Yeah. Are there any apps on your home screen that are helping you be better? So there's plenty of apps, obviously, that are there to keep us distracted or promote fear, uncertainty, and doubt. What's on your home screen that makes you excited and feel good? Oh, I use my news app a lot, which can strike fear and <laughs> excitement. Depending on how you use it, though, right? Yeah, you, exactly. You can, you can control what uh, you feature. Right, so you have to control yeah. the alerts that you're getting. Yeah, yeah. so I, I've tried to take some more control over that. If it's a, I use an offline reading app that if I'm, I travel a lot for work. And so if I see an article that I want to read and I want to save it for later, I use an app called Pocket to um, save that so I can read it offline later. Yeah. So I'd say that's a good one. And I think, yeah, I think that as far as informationally, that's probably one of the best ones. And then of course, you know, for animal welfare, social media is big, a big one. So Instagram, the Dodo, we love the Dodo. Definitely. So you have a, a team that's, you know, around six people in size. How do you think about team building? And is there anything that you're planning for 2019? Are you planning offsites? Or what are you planning to kind of like bring your team closer together? Yes, we are. We actually, we just finished our last full board and staff meeting. We did it in upstate New York and we were all together for two days because our office is also, we're three in New York, one in New Hampshire, 
one in Seattle and one in Victoria, Canada, and our board is in Montreal. And, and you know, we have a representative in, in the Middle East as well. So getting everybody together is certainly a challenge and it's, it's costly. So we do it about once a year. And so we try to pick a place that's easy for everyone to get to that's not New York City, not New York City prices, and is going to yeah be just a time for the team to get together because we don't work together in the same office every day. So And we just find that that is... If you're looking for creativity, that two days together, you get so more done than you can get in a month yeah. over email. So Yeah, we're finding yeah. that too. We, had, we started with a remote team and then start slowly starting to have uh, people move out and join. And it's, you can get so much more done in person. Yeah. So final question here. And then I know everybody's uh, probably looking forward to happy hour, uh, which I think is next. If you had to leave everyone that's listening with one piece of advice about storytelling or creating moments that people remember that are tied to strong positive emotions what would you say you know if if there's something that resonates to you and that is sticking in the back of your brain either something that you've heard through the news or for us it's stories that come across our email across our desks or people call us about you know certain animals that need our help if it sticks out to you and it speaks to you, it's probably going to resonate with other people as well. So just kind of trust trust your instincts and your your gut on that one. And then when you're writing something, try to we what we try to do is infuse as much passion into the first draft as we per, as we possibly can. And then you know you go back and grammatically fix it and and you know correct everything later. But I think when you're speaking about a message that matters to you, that resonates with people. And so that would be my best advice is find something that matters and that speaks to you and that's going to come through. That's awesome advice. So for everyone listening, when we have in-studio guests out back where we typically record our podcasts, I do this thing where I pretend that I have an in-studio applause button and when I push it, like everybody has to like applaud. So if you just humor me really quick as we wrap this, you know, thanks so much to Meredith for taking her time. I'm pushing the studio. Applause. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot. World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes, and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. 
the speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.